Well, hello and welcome to the Relationships Are Underrated podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Asley. And I'm your host, Drip Kramer. Damn you, <laughs> By Jonathan. the way, folks, he just, he got me laughing right before we got started. Oh, so. no, sure I did. <laughs> yes, you did. He, by the way, I want everyone to know he gives me a hard time for when I start the podcast because I have a more of a jovial way of getting us going. And he's just more very subdued and very concrete and specific and professional. You know, what's funny is so I have a I have a brother. He's three and a half years older than me. OK. And which I guess is not that much, but he's three and a half years older than me. And he's got a big he's got a lot of gray in his beard. And whenever we meet people, they either can't tell who's older or younger or they go, they think I'm older. And we came. Yes. It's actually really funny because for a while it was 90% of people would say, oh, yeah, Trip, you're older. But we think it's because maybe he smiles more and he's (laughs) a little bit more like, I don't know. I I think I'm a pretty fun guy. Jovial. I think he's jovial. a little more maybe he's a little more jovial. I'm a little bit more yeah. serious. Although I don't consider myself a serious guy. You know, I'm going to tell you something you are kind of serious. Am I? Even with you? A little bit. Even On our with phone calls? A little bit. Man, <laughs> I'm more I, emotional I, I and you're up. more I'm a little bit more emotional and you're probably a little more Well, I was going to say rational. Megan I, if you ask Megan, she would say I'm a goof. Well, you probably are with her because she brings out your she brings out she brings out your little kid. And Jonathan, you don't. So let's get to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about what causes breakups and divorces because this might be one of them. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a very jovial topic, is it? <laughs> no. I think this is such an important topic because I actually, in my professional endeavors, I'm always thinking how to avoid, like I I think of it as reverse engineering. And I want to tell you a story of where this really was birthed, if you're interested, which I know you are. So (laughs) always, Jonathan, uh, always. So for those that don't know, I was married back in my late 20s. I got divorced in my early 40s. You know, that seems like a lifetime ago. And I remember going to, and people that aren't familiar with divorce, one of the things you might end up in is what's called family court. And in family court, it's not called divorce court, it's called family court because they they cover a lot of different things. And you enter on what's known on the docket and depending, like you're supposed to show up there at 8 a.m., but there could be like four other couples having to meet the judge and you don't know what order you're in until you get there. And when my ex-wife and I got there because we had to go to court, we were the last of the four. So I heard the other three couples. And as I'm listening to what's causing their divorce, what they were angry about and what they were fighting about. I thought to myself, if every couple before they got married listened to this, it would make them think twice of how to actually be in their relationship going forward. You actually mentioned this in one of our very first episodes. And by the way, I think- Did I really? You did. I forgot. And that's fine. I think it's okay to repeat because we don't expect every single person to listen to every single episode. (laughs) But it's all, and and even if they do, it's really good to hear things again. So, uh, you know, that that is is very interesting. So what were some of the reasons why people got divorced, did they say? Money, sex. I mean, those, which happened to be the two number one things. They said sex in the- 
court? Yeah, the, well, there was infidelity in one oh, couple, okay. and there was a money issue in another couple. And, and just there was real, almost irreconcilable differences because I'm telling you, they were, I mean, each couple was yelling at each other, and they were like, I mean, and they have attorneys there too, right? They have their own separate attorneys, but the the couples would just look at each other with snide remarks. And I'm looking at the judge. <laughs> the funny part was just looking at the face of the judge and all this. And they and he it was a, a guy who just he was stoic, you know, he just held space. But then he would jump on one of them. You know, it was kind of interesting. It's actually would be if you actually go to a real divorce or family court, it's it's entertaining. <laughs> isn't there like, isn't Judge Judy sometimes? Yeah, but that's that's made up. That's, <laughs> you know, that's not real. I mean, it is real, but it's not real. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's for TV. So, so the idea of reverse engineering it, to me, it, it's kind of like when you and I talk frequently about John Gottman's work or any of the relationship books you and I have read over the years and we are, by the way, most men don't read relationship books like you and I do. So, But I'm hoping that there's, there's a lot of guys listening to this, at least because yes. it's hosted by two guys. So I feel like maybe some yeah. guys will be more inclined to listen to other guys who are talking about relationships and, and all that. But you're right. Most guys don't do that. And I think that's a big problem because, you know, guys think, and I've said this to you before, Jonathan, yeah. guys think that the game is over once you get a girlfriend, like, oh, I won. I did the thing. I got the girlfriend or, you know, it's like, no, that's. And then I also don't I don't like people say, no, it's just begun. It's like, no, it's always begun. You're always working on everything from the moment you meet her to all the way till you've been married for 50 years. There's work and effort that needs to be put in the whole entire time. You know, if you want, I, if I was, you want a great relationship, you know. Yeah, and and some people scoff at the word work, and I understand why people might think of that because you don't want to think of your relationship as work. I look let's, at let's, more. Let's do a better word. What do you got? Well, I was thinking of the word intentionality to be intentional, like you know, and and think of it. I like from that a premise of. And by the way, in particular of our relationship, because one of the fundamental issues really what i heard in family court was a lack of appreciation and gratitude and by being intentional in the relationship of itself instead of taking it for granted you know that's what i mean by intentional it's the opposite of taking something for granted at least in my purview my the way i view it Inten and intentionality and being deliberate yes deliberate oh i even like that more so in other words yeah and we said this in the first podcast, I think it was the first, I, I talked about there's a you, there's a me, and then there's a we. And the relationship is a separate entity. And I think when I come back to taking it for granted, I think most humans don't even understand what that we actually looks like from a mechanical perspective. What does it look like from a mechanical perspective? So... We've talked about the book Eight Dates, and what I like about the book is it kind of lays out the questions to ask someone or ask your, each other. No, I know that. You... I know that. So hear me out. Hear me out. So that to me is the mechanics. It's like, where do we see ourselves in these areas? Because these are the most important areas of a relationship. So the to cogs me, of that's the wheel. The mechanic. Great. Another way of putting it. I like mechanics. You. You like cogs in the wheel, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. And all those are the foundation 
not even the foundation. Yes. It's the foundation, but also the intricate well, parts the- of the relationship. Every day in a relationship, you're going to be dealing with sex, with money, with family stuff, with your kids, with yeah. spirituality and religion. Yeah. All, all those so, different cogs. I like so saying that word, cogs. Yeah. So I liked when you said foundation because when we we take it another step, there's the base foundation, there's the walls, it's the architecture of a relationship. I like the word architecture. We just, just love all the words. Right. The building <laughs> word, blocks. <word>, word. <laughs> oh, wow, you're really on a roll here. Everybody write this down. <laughs> so what causes what causes most breakups and divorce? And I did a little research. As you know, I'm the okay. I'm the research guy here. Because okay. I'm the more logical and I like the facts and the statistics. That's me. <laughs> and I'm the emotional. And you're the emotional, like jovial. <laughs> okay. So what I ended up looking up was something I found was from a, a written by a PhD. It was okay. an article in Psychology Today that talks about the top 10 reasons for relationship breakups. And I'd like to list them right now. Okay. He says, here are 10 primary reasons why breakups and divorces happen and 10 ways to avoid them. All right, so mm. I'm not going to read every paragraph, but I'll just list them out. Bad behaviors is number one. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Okay, so he... Yeah, that I, 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 will, I will read this one. Well, it's, by the way, that doesn't seem specific. No, I was just going to say that. <laughs> that one is not specific. So what are examples of that? They could be drinking, smoking, chewing tobacco, spending children's college tuition, Botox, <laughs> fantasy football. This is bad behavior? It could be. They're examples of bad behavior. Those are the examples of it. That's interesting. Yeah. Old behaviors. Smoking, drinking, chewing tobacco, spending your children's college tuition on Botox or fantasy football. <laughs> oh, I see why that's a bad behavior. I think it's like now, bad habits. That's, a, that's more specific, well, I would say. No. Well, behavior well, habits. When you all spend the same them, thing. yeah, it's yeah, it makes it's tomato or tomato. So, wow, that's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, now it, as soon as I heard it, it makes sense, though. You know what's? Uh, see, it's a shame because you might enter a relationship, and maybe the person you're with is going to lie to you or you cover up some of their bad behaviors, and then all yeah. of a sudden, they start to come out, and you had no idea. But I think this lends itself to really trying to be your authentic self and go into I'll tell a an anecdote I have okay. a, I have a friend very smart by the way very smart does well for himself not a loser by any means but every <laughs> once in a while he likes to party he okay. likes to you know he likes to do drugs and and he just likes to have a good time with that stuff and he okay. does it responsibly. He's never doing it too much. It's not an addiction problem. It's just he likes to do that like once a month. Recreational. Yeah, very recreational. And I know it's, it is because I've seen it and whatever. So he's got it all under control, but he enjoys doing that. He likes to go to concerts. And when he goes to a concert, he might do some molly or smoke weed or whatever. And that's what he likes to do. And so I told okay. him, I said, I don't know, man. Like these, these aren't like the greatest things like... That might not be very attractive to a woman. He said to me, then that's not the woman for me. I want a woman who's going to be okay with that. Maybe even join in on on me with that. And it's interesting because, again, I still... Well, that I can actually... I can agree with that. I, I do. I, I do. Which is kind of what I was going to say. Is like, I don't, I don't... 
I don't love still that that's a per- he does that and wants a you know, but he, he made a good point. He goes, "That's me. If the woman's going to be with me, that's what she's going to have to deal with, or not deal with, but at least." be totally okay with that maybe even join in on that because that's the kind of lifestyle i want to live and i said uh all right good luck (laughs) well i'm going to out myself out on this one because i do like to do spiritual journeys using psychedelics why are you outing yourself well i because there's a judgment associated with this so jonathan um, no i want I don't like when people do this. And I, and I, 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 I do this too, and I'm trying to stop. That's what you do. I want you to be confident yeah. in that. So let me, so my- I want you to, so I want you to as, be like my friend. I, want, I don't want you to be yeah. scared of the judgment of people listening to this podcast. Well, You love it. It's such a big part of you. Yeah, people may well, judge. Let's, well, let's, not, let's not, let me be clear. It's not every day of the week, but it's something, you know, once every other month kind of. Yeah, thing. well, that's, a, that's and, a big part of you. And you have- but, you, And you, coming back to- well, coming back to your point, though, what I was about to share, and I appreciate you standing up for me. Thank of you course. so much. I want you friend. to step into that. So, so I actually bring this up casually in conversation sometimes in the dating process, you know, and I, Smart. I, I will and I do it very conversation like I might say, oh, I'm, I'm getting ready for a spiritual journey. And they go, what's that? And I go, well, I actually work with a shaman and we use uh, psychedelics to actually, which I say enhances the meditation process so I can actually reach my divine self. And I can actually even connect with those people I love on the other side. And they're like, oh, really? And I do it that way to take away the, you know, kind of the perceived stigma of of wow, someone might perceive that. And by the way, we're getting off subject. No, we're not. This is, this is good. Because no, more importantly, we'll get back to the topic here now, okay. Okay. is you're setting the precedent in the relationship, or at least before the relationship, you're setting that precedent yeah. that you, this is what you do. So if all of a sudden you're dating a woman and yeah. there's a month comes around and you're about to do a spiritual journey with shrooms or whatever it is, yeah, and you go do that, she's, and you say you're going to do it, she should at least have expected well, that to happen or be okay with that because well and actually i want her to join in with me quite or frankly. join I mean, in I, with I, you I, yeah that would be so and so coming back to you know when i think of what causes breakups and divorces i i think it's what your friend your story about your friend is really about something that i talk about frequently and that's alignment are you aligned in the are you aligned on your values are you aligned on your lifestyle are you aligned in the things that matter most to you and i know even many therapists say the more successful relationships are the ones where people are aligned in these areas versus they're at the polar opposite ends of these areas yep i like it let's move on so what else does the what else does the article say uh, obvious one number two cheating Okay. Right. So that's going to be an obvious reason to break up. Three. Ooh, do we want to? Do we want to talk about it? I don't know. It's kind of boring to me. We, I think I want to. I think we should definitely do a topic on cheating. Yeah, it should be a, a whole episode. episode for sure. Yes, because sure. I have a lot of thoughts on this. But one. we're just talking about what causes breakups. Cheating, obvious. Let's okay. keep going. I don't know. I'm always interested in the ones that you don't think about. Like the first one was good. You know, it's like I oh know. yeah, bad, bad behaviors, bad habits. Okay. Third one. Here's a great one misdirected anger i'll read the paragraph how many times have you had a lousy day at work and come home in a bad mood guess what that isn't fair and it's going to damage your relationship 
coming home and bringing a bunch of negative energy inside with you can only make things ugly. You can get the soothing you need and have your mood changed in a few moments by just asking for a hug and saying, honey, I've had a rotten day. Misdirected anger. Yeah. I get it. So I get it. It requires a level of awareness to say, I'm not in a good mood. And now a couple things you might say, I just need a hug. That could be one thing. Or I'm not in a good mood. I'm going to go over here. Yes. For an hour or whatever it is. On whatever it do is. Do it, you know, whatever you need just, to do. Yeah. So I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to talk to both partners in the relationship. So you, you covered one partner where the person who gets, has, bad days, maybe it's frequent or they're stressed out with work to do what you just said. But then the other yeah. partner, what do they yes. do? Or their partner isn't aware of that and doesn't do that. I believe it's good for that person to sit down and say, hey, honey, I've noticed that you know when you come home from work or when you do this, X, Y, and Z, whatever, you seem to be pretty upset. And I'm, I'm feeling on the other end that either you're taking out on me or there's just a lot of negative energy coming my way. I wonder if there's something that we can do so you can feel better or whatever it is, just X, Y, and Z. Basically bringing it up and communicating that it's affecting you. You know, I'm listening to you and I'm going, I had no clue when I was your age how to communicate that way when I was married. I, I, I didn't have the awareness whatsoever. Um, and I'm listening to you and I'm like, God, I trained you well. <laughs> I, you definitely were a big a big mentor for me in, in my in my relationship skills. But so, and that's only because I learned it in the last decade and a half of my life. And I say this actually to those younger folks who might be listening or might, might be listening, who are listening, excuse me, is learning really good communication skills and one of my favorite books to read is Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Do they talk about it in there using I statements versus you statements? Yes. And, and just saying, this is how I feel and not making about you made me feel this way. I feel this way from this. So it's like, you, you know, you come home every night and you yeah. make me feel like crap. You come in with exactly. a negative energy and yeah. and then you make me do this and you make me do that versus you know when you come home i feel a lot of anger from you or i feel dismissed dismissed or i feel i'm put in a in a in a negative state or no yeah. i guess that would be i feel i feel unappreciated i feel you know i mean you could say a lot of yeah versus things, you you it, don't appreciate me yeah. You say, I feel unappreciated. It's hard. Yeah. Even I'm having a hard time right oh. now trying to say it to you. By the way, the reason it's interesting, the title is Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. It should have been titled Compassionate Communication. But I find it interesting, the reason why it was called nonviolent, because it, it creates tension. That term, you made me feel this way, creates a tension in the other person. And which, I mean, we'll call that violent, not in the traditional sense, but in the sense that it's an attack. I want to share a story. Okay. Megan and I have dealt with this a few times in our relationship. Really? Yeah. There's times. You two are perfect. Well, we are perfect because this story is an example of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Half joke. There's times when she gets stressed out by work or overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've taken it, this is more earlier in the relationship, 
We've been yeah. together for about three and a half years. And earlier in the relationship, it's funny because I know some people are listening like early. You're in the early stages, three and a half years. <laughs> you guys are babies. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I would take it personally. I would go, oh, she's, she's mad at me. She's upset. She's upset with me. It's like this anxious attachment style coming out like, what's going on? Or, you know, and we just had to talk it through and, and help. I had to get an understanding of how she was feeling. And she would always say, yeah, Trip, this is nothing to do with you. This is sometimes mm. I'm going to have moments where I'm a little stressed out. And she has a for I think she's because she's a people pleaser at times and super sweet. She does a hard time saying I need space. So mm. she doesn't say it that often. Sometimes she does. But we've come to the conclusion where if I'm ever feeling some sort of distant negative energy, I just ask her, Are you? do you need space right now? And I've been mm. using that. And she'll say yes. Okay. And I'll say okay. Mm. I don't take it seriously. I go into the other room. And 30 minutes to an hour later, all is well. Yeah. Do you need space right now? So that's what I say. Do you need space right now? And that takes a level of intuitiveness in your partner. And coming back to the word intentionality is you're being more intentional in the relationship instead of, ex you know, I think a, I, I was going to say expectation based. I wonder if many couples operate, we just expect perfect. And then so when it's not perfect, <laughs> all hell breaks loose, you know? Mm-hmm emotionally, mentally, all those types of things. So, um, and, and I would say your generation way more so than my generation and the generation before me. What? Um, well, my parents never communicated like you and Megan do. Never so strong. I mean, not never, but I never saw in my life my parents communicating at the level that you're talking about. I've seen my parents communicate a bit on this level. I well, think my I, I learned are almost I your learned. grandparents. <laughs> uh, how old is your dad? My dad's 96. Yeah, that's true. My, my grandpa's 92. My parents are in their, okay, so. in their 60s. <laughs> all right, next. Um, all right, what's the next one? Being unsupportive. If you cannot support the one you love when he or she is down or stressed because of some life event, you are communicating that it's not worth your time and energy. This makes your loved one feel invalid. If you can't be there for your other half and don't care to change, it's time to leave. If you want to keep your relationship, learn to be supportive. This guy's intense. <laughs> well, what I hear in that, this is, let me, my take, is recognizing is kind of like, do I have my partner's back? Like, do I have their back? It is so important. I, like, this is, it's I, such a good one. Yeah. It's such a good one. By the way, we need to do a podcast on just that topic alone. I feel like we just do a, an episode back. on each one of these, but. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be a great idea because I am such a big proponent of couples in the early stages of a relationship and those season relationships to really recognize the the understanding of what it means to have that person's back. What does it mean to say, you know what? I, I've, I'll say, I'm I'll here. Say, I'll you say matter. It. We're important. I've got your back. I'm not going anywhere. I only want you. I'll say it in another way. Okay. Your partner should be your number one fan. Mm. Cheerleader. You mean, yeah. Number one fan, Cheer cheerleader. Fan and cheerleader. Yeah. 
I like them putting them to side by side. Yeah, I have to have that. I mean, everyone should have to have that, but I, does, I really does feel Me- that. Does Megan treat you like her number one fan and cheerleader? I mean, like, is she a cheerleader? I would you? say more of a cheerleader. I don't know if she's like a fan. A fan might. <laughs> she's a dancer, so it makes sense. Well, yeah. Wasn't she a former cheerleader? <laughs> she. Oh, don't say that. That will. No, cheerleading and dancing is a lot different. Oh, okay. She's a dancer, not a cheerleader. Okay. She was on the Chicago Bulls dance team, not cheerleading team. Okay. So. Uh, well, I hope she doesn't hold it against me. Like, I doubt it. She, that's what I'm saying. She doesn't listen to this. She, she's not like a fan. Like, she doesn't listen to my content. <laughs> but she's a cheerleader for sure. Okay. I share my wins with her. Like, oh, Megan, you, you won't believe what happened today. I got uh, like I told her the other day how I'm gonna get David Buss on my podcast on my other oh, po- I'm so on my other podcast I'm gonna try to get him on this one for okay. those of well, you who don't know get him on my podcast <laughs> Doctor David Buss he's an evolutionary psychologist he's been in the field for a few decades and he's just super smart written a bunch of books and he talks a lot about about mating strategies anyway. I'm so excited to have him have him as a guest on my other podcast. And I remember telling her, I go, Megan, you know that book I'm reading? You know that book? Yeah, I'm going to have him on the podcast. And she was so excited. And then I mm. caught her like two minutes after the conversation. She was smiling. I go, this is, by the way, this is the other day. I go, yeah. what are you smiling about? We always call each other out on that stuff. You know, like, what, yeah. what are you smiling about? And she goes, Nothing. I just think that's so cool that you get to have someone that you're a big fan of on your podcast. I was like, I love you so much. I was like, that is so cool that she was so happy for me. You know what? You know what? I want to segue. (laughs) What I'm hearing is you guys know how to talk to the little kid inside of you because there's the adult, you know, there's the adult trip. There's the you know, there's the adult Jonathan and there's the little kid trip and little kid Jonathan. And it's that little kid that was excited about this, you know, this win, if you will. And she was smiling at your little kid. Yeah. That's the way I, I'm just interpreting. Yeah. It, so. and, and and empathizing. And it was, it was so yeah. cool. It was so cool. So, so she was, that was that, that, to me was a big cheerleading moment just excited for me supportive now it's interesting though we were talking about fan and you brought up fan i brought up cheerleader megan doesn't listen to your content no so is that what a fan does yeah i would i'm just i would say that's like a fam okay so so let's see you're right i'm the one who brought that up interesting enough and now i'm (laughs) now i'm totally admitting that she's not like a fan but I'll, i'll say this though she's broadly a fan you know, can she say, okay. oh, I, that, that episode you put out last week was awesome. Like, no. But is she a fan of what I'm doing, my mission on the world? Is she yeah. a fan of this podcast? Absolutely. I got to share a quick story. I, I share a quick story because there's a mutual friend of ours who's in the... In the I knew you were going to say this story, by the way, yeah. and I'm glad you are. You this is great. Say okay. And, and, and Just say the name. Say the name. name. Okay. So it's his a, name is Evan Mark Katz. He's a dating relationship coach. And he's a man who works mostly with women, or all with women, I believe. And one night I was at uh, I, I was at an event with his wife. I can't remember. It was a, what, it does, the event doesn't matter. And we were talking. 
And I was talking to his wife and all of a sudden she just starts reciting like his material. And I mean, almost better than the way he recites his material. Like I was literally the way, she, and I can't remember what caught, what was the trigger for this to happen, but she starts going blah, 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 blah. And I was like, she's reciting his material like almost better than him. And I'm like, wow, what a fan. Like she admires her husband so much that she knows his material. And I was like, I'll take one of those, please. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he feels so, like he probably thinks that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, I'm hoping he does the same for her. OK, so I mean, and I hope you do the same for Megan, because I don't want to make this one sided. Right. That it's the woman, the fan. And, you know. Yeah. Well, no. So it's how a, are you a fan? How are you a fan of Megan's dancing and such like that? I love to watch. I love to watch her videos of her dance. So okay. she takes videos of the classes that she teaches. Okay. I get really excited to see them. I'm genuinely yeah. excited to see them. I, yeah. When she shows me them, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm fully involved and engaged. I give yeah. her a lot of uh, verbal support on it all. I'm like, oh, this is great. You're so talented. And I really truly believe that. Like, I think she is so talented mm. at what mm. she does. And that's mm. one thing to think that, but it's another thing to communicate it. And I think that's what happens in a lot of relationships. And to actually too. have the action of watching it. You know, in other words. Well, what I was getting at was I feel that in relationships, we think things, but we don't communicate them, even positive mm. things. And we, we yeah. need to do that more. Like, for example, someone listening to this podcast right now, I wonder if you have something that you absolutely love about your partner and you realize you, you haven't told them that. Or you haven't mm. said something, you know, like a little word of affirmation. And it's really important to do that. We're so much louder, metaphorically speaking, we're yeah. louder when it comes to saying the negative stuff or the things that you have a problem with. But we're not always sharing the things that we really like or love. I was, that's so interesting because I'm going to piggyback on that <laughs> as much as you love me saying that. I was actually talking to a, a friend of mine today and we were talking about the, the, it was a documentary on happiness or I think it was called Happy or Happiness. And we were having this discussion today and we actually, we decided to make an agreement with each other because we found that oftentimes when we communicate with each other, we kind of focus a little bit on complaining or negativity, we tend to like put our attention there and not our wins or the things. So we made an agreement that now when we communicate with one another, we're gonna make sure we bring up five happy things, or at least it's not, I mean, just to one negative thing. Like the ratio should be more, let's focus on the positives. Or even if we're gonna bring up something that might be perceived negative, how can we frame it in the positive, like in other words, how can we frame it as winning instead of losing kind of thing? Yeah. So we're going to make a, we made an agreement to do this for one week. I'll see what happens by next podcast. <laughs> okay. I like it. Let's go to the next one. Okay. Toxic people. If you have friends that you're- Can you be more specific? Absolutely, Jonathan. <laughs> Any day of the week. If you have friends that your partner can't stand, it can be one of two things. 
either there's a control issue involved or these individuals are negative and should not be in your lives. If it's a control issue on one or both your parts, you should see a counselor together. If your, quote, friends engage in bad behaviors or are disrespectful to your mate, you need to find some new people to hang out with. Okay, so toxic mm. friends. He missed something here. There's a, there's another thing that's really important with toxic people. Family. Family. I've heard some yeah. horror stories, man. I've oh, heard some gosh. horror stories of like guys being in relationships and their mother-in-law is just a disaster. She oh. causes so much stress on him in the relationship. Now, by the way, that's not always the case. I'm going to have an amazing mother-in-law. So excited. But I just had a moment there recently where I go, man, am I grateful. This woman could be hell. I don't think my mother-in-law liked me very much. Did she cause drama and, though for you? It's one thing not to no, like but you. There was, it was, yeah, but there was always this kind of un, a tiny subtle undermining, just a subtle undermining. It wasn't blatant, overt, but there was always a subtle. And, and I suspect even my mother felt the same way about my ex too. But I've witnessed this so many times where, you know, a parent undermines the relationship. And how so? You know, with criticism of their partner, you know, being critical of uh, like, in other words, let's say it's uh, the mother of the husband, critical of the, the spouse who's the wife kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I went out that long convoluted way of explaining that. But I can see that happening where it's subtle undermine. Oh, she doesn't do it the way I did it for you. You know, I used to do your laundry this way Ooh. and she does it that way. You know, like, or I cooked for you. I was I was such a great cook for you. Your wife doesn't even bother to cook for you. You know, like that could be a subtle. Well, no, that's an overt under, undermining. But, you know, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's like you want to as a parent and I'm not one yet, but I could imagine you want to be the best example of what a relationship should be like to your kids. <laughs> I was about to say good luck on that. See, I, <laughs> well, I did a negative. Well, that was a negative. I listen, just did a negative. I'm not trying to be idealistic. I understand that. Yeah. But that's the whole point is it's not about having a perfect relationship. It's also being an example to your kids of, hey, mom and dad are going to fight. But guess what? We're going to work through it with communication. Yeah. And hey, you know what? Sometimes we're going to fight and communication is not going to cut it. We're it just, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. But hey, we still love each other, respect each other. That would be a good example of being a good, a good example of being a good example. Yeah. <laughs> to your kids you know i don't know if my parents were a good example per se i will tell you a quick story though that you i think everyone might find interesting so my parents were married 66 years before my mother passed away and i think i might have shared this in a previous podcast so one day i came to go visit my parents and they were having a dinner party with their two other couples that they're oldest friends. And I've known these couples since I was a baby kind of thing. So, I mean, they grew up with their kids and such. So collectively, there was 150 years of marriage trip. I mean, 150 years of marriage sitting at the table. And I said, what's the secret to, you know, marital success? Like, what's the secret? And the first couple, and I asked the first couple and they said, marry your best friend, you know, like marry your best friend. I'm like, okay, got it. I wrote that down. And what the next couple, and this was interesting. They looked at each other at the same time. And they go, never go to bed mad. Resolve everything before bedtime. And 
or at least, you know, come to a place. They didn't say this, but I'm assuming come to a place of, you know, neutrality and maybe deal with it in the morning. So then I asked my dad, I go, what's the secret of relationship success? And he goes, your mom understanding that I'm in charge of the relationship. Interesting. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And so then I turned to my mom and I said, what's the secret to relationship? Oh, by the way, because they were sitting at opposite ends of the table. That's why I did it that way. The other the couples were sitting together. And I said to my mom, I go, what's the secret? And she goes, having your father believe he was in charge of the relationship. Oh, that's funny. Is that a joke? <laughs> No, I mean, by the way, it sounds like a, like a long joke. No, no, it's and by the way, they were serious. And by the way, if you knew my family, it's totally serious. I want to I want to I, I want to piggyback. I thought you've got to. I want to piggyback. Oh, you're going to piggyback. I'm going to piggyback. OK, off of okay. the first thing you said. So I haven't finished this book and I really should. Okay. So I'm not going to be able to speak too much about it. But John Which Gottman book? wrote another book oh. called The Seven okay. Principles for Making Marriage Work. Okay. Do you know about that book? I, I have not read it, but I've heard of it. Okay. So it's a very popular book and one that was... Uh, I'm going to order it right now. It was recommended to me a long time ago. And he okay. says in the first chapter, I think it's maybe the introduction, one of the things that made all these... So he studied marriages and one of the things that made a lot of these marriages last that he studied was the first thing that you said, marrying your best friend. Yeah. And so the thing is, is in the and relationship, I think we want to clarify, it's not a person who's your current friend. It's the person you're with becomes your best friend. It's, Isn't it's that your, important it's to your kind of friend. It's your friend. It's yeah. your friend. And that's wow. That makes so much sense. It's so obvious. But when you really break that down, it's like, yeah, that's the person you're going to want to spend time with. That's the person who you respect. You respect your friends because that's why they're your friends. I'd hope so. So even though, and I believe that that can lead to a healthier marriage anyways, because that's still going to lead to more love and sex and all the other things. What? What are you showing me? I'm buying the book oh, right cool. now as we speak. <laughs> are you going to read it though? You don't read books. I, I do read You read books. first chapters. No, I actually skim books and then I go on YouTube and watch what was said about That's it. That's probably smart. <laughs> so yeah, friendship is a is a big yeah. part and I, and I know that's that's probably what, I would imagine that would help keep a relationship together and not break up to the title. All right, let's keep going. All right, let's keep going. Withholding affection and attention. Ooh. I would think that's a biggie. That's pretty specific i don't think i need to read the paragraph i really i don't like this guy's attitude by the way <laughs> i don't like how he writes his name is barton okay all right let's speed this up because we got to we got to figure out how to resolve everything we do i guess we're doing that in the, in the conversation <laughs> we are uh seven is lying okay eight is stealing Ooh. It says financial i'll read Financial issues account for more than 30% of all divorces. The mere fact that financial infidelity has become a catchphrase speaks to how pervasive this has become. If you are going to steal from someone you love, you have an issue, you have an issue and you need to get help. If you feel entitled or that your partner is a cheapskate, you will need to get some counseling. If you don't work this out, you might as well just give up. This guy is so intense. Does, it, does this count when my 
ex-wife used to overspend when we were married. Yes. From my perspective. Um, and that, I don't know if that's stealing, but it sure felt like it was taking money out of the collective bond. I would say that's in, uh, <laughs> an, an indirect form of stealing. <laughs> By the way, I uh, for the record, my ex-wife is an amazing human being, an amazing mother, and I bow to... She did the heavy lifting after our divorce, and I want to publicly say that because I really appreciate now I didn't then I appreciate now so much and it saddens me it's taken me it took me a long time to actually appreciate the person who really is and and was a a really good partner I just wasn't you know I was I was clueless when I got married and there that by the way is that on the list of being just clueless is that cuz that should be on the list. Well, clueless is not on the list but it leads to things. So when you say yeah. clueless to me that says well you're probably not well sounds like number 6. You might be specific. Well, number 6 <laughs> yeah, it's not specific. Number 6 yeah. is withholding affection and attention. I would imagine if you're clueless that's no. one of the things that you might well, that, be doing. Yeah. I mean, clueless can be a lot of things. How are you clueless? So, well, so I just give one example. I, I was more focused on being the provider protector and not a husband. Uh, In other words, I was more focused on making money. Really, let me be let me be more specific. I was focused on making money because I was trained that way to focus that way. And I really wasn't even remotely thinking about what it meant to be a good husband. So you weren't focused, okay, and more specifically, not being a good husband, what what did that entail? I was so focused on work that I wasn't, you know, home for dinners. I wasn't home for, I wasn't really a active parent to my children. I, my whole identity was, Make money because you got to support the family. Make money, you got to support the family. Make money because you have to support the family. I do believe, though, that that is very important. Yes, but there was no balance in my life. That's all I thought now about. Now, that's where it becomes a problem. Yeah, I agree. Yes, yeah, you do need to have by... that next piece, giving the attention and being part of the family. But... What if you're doing the opposite? And I'm let's, not proud. Let's say let me this. Just say this. I'm not proud of myself. I look back, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, crucify myself for this. I'm hoping that someone hears this and goes, ah, I don't want to end up like that guy <laughs> going through a divorce and family court and, and, and a, a lot of other emotional distress I went through. I hope that for those that are hyper focused on their professional life because they feel the sense of of duty there's so much more to life than just that and i can't begin to stress that enough yeah no it is a balance you need to have both i was going to say hypothetically let's say you were the opposite lots (laughs) of attention for the family being attentive raising the kids but just slacking at your job and not bringing in enough money that would cause problems too yeah, the well, balance that's, is important. So there's, so there's, I guess we're talking about responsibility. Is that a, I'm thinking of the word, because I was thinking maturity, responsibility. Like I was so hyper-focused in one area of responsibility that I 
didn't so think of let's it say this a, a, sorry to okay. interrupt I, I, That's okay. I, want, I appreciate you saying that. I want to give a good example of what this looks like. And I think that you've thought about this. What would be something that you would do differently? Paint a, oh. a, a day in the life of if Jonathan, you know, well, 30 years ago or th- 20 years ago when you were in your marriage and paint a new picture just in like 30 seconds, what it would look okay. like if you were to balance it all out. I want to know what it looks like. Okay. I'm going to say it as a hope, and and I don't want to direct this to my ex-spouse specifically, but my hope would be that I find a partner. We're aligned with each other. No, hold on, hold on. That's not the question. I want to be very... Well, I'm I'm answering your question. No, but I want you to go back to when you were raising your kids, when you had a wife. Okay. I want you to go back in time just for a second. And I want you to say what you would have done differently to have that balance. So you're saying, okay, I was working. I wasn't paying attention to the kids. I wasn't home for dinner. Yeah. So what would it, just a quick in 30 seconds, a day in the life look like if you were to do it all over again in your previous marriage? A day in the life marriage? would start instead of jumping out of bed, going straight in the car and getting to work. I would spend a few minutes with my wife connecting with her and connecting with my children. That would be the first thing. I see your thumbs up, so thank you. <laughs> keep going, keep going. This I would, is great. I would, I, would, I would then check in with my wife and see what's going on in the home with the kids at some point time during the day. I would get home, at least make time, not necessarily every day of the week, to get home early, to make sure I had dinner with the children and connected with them and actually go outside and play baseball and do those things. And and most importantly is to be present because I wasn't present. I was so focused in one specific area of my life that I, I really missed out. And I wish to God we had smartphones back then so I could have taken a boatload of pictures because back then we didn't have that. So, because I missed out, you know, those memories would be nice to have those at this age. In my I life, wanted so. to do this little exercise with How'd you. I do? You did fantastic. I wanted to do this exercise with you because there are couples and people listening right now that can take those examples and say, you know, maybe I need to do more of that if they do. So yeah. it's good to learn from that. And I think it's cool. That's why I think this podcast is, is interesting because I'm getting into a marriage. So I'll be discussing what it's like to be going through that process. And you we're in one and you've been through a yeah. divorce. So you've learned your lessons and and I will learn the lessons from you, my dear friend. Well, I will not allow you to end up like me. I am going to be Vicodin like out on a beach in the middle of the day. I remember you told <laughs> yeah. me that story when I first met you and you painted What did I do? You painted such a specific picture, I'll never forget it. You go, well, Yeah, refresh my memory. You were really depressed. There was this one time in your life. Yeah. It might have been post divorce actually. No, this was after my divorce. You were taking, you were just like, you weren't addicted. I'd pop Vicodin. I used to live at the, by the beach with Ocean View. I closed the curtains, pop Vicodin and just sit there and go, I don't want to live. Oh God. Well, let me reframe that. Well, when I say I don't want to live, it wasn't like I wanted to die. It's just, I wanted the pain to go away. What was the pain? I was... I was unhappy. I, I lost my job. I got wiped out in the market crash of 2008. And the divorce. And I was, I, yeah, I was going, getting a divorce. You know, I was, I had no hope in my life. And that lack of hope put me in a state of depression. And that depression, and then worse, I got 
meds for depression, which made things worse. Why? By the way, I don't think doc, I think your GP has no effing clue on how to heal that, you know, because the real healing came. I'll never forget this. I actually reached such a low point in my life. I called my dad in tears and I said, Dad, I need help. And he goes, I've been waiting for this phone call. And I actually had to move in with my mom and dad to reparent me. And I was living, and by the way, they lived in a retirement community. So here I was at one point in my life worth a couple million dollars. We had a multi-million dollar home after my, you know, before we got divorced. And I was down to like my last few hundred thousand dollars for me. I mean, this is after the divorce. What age are you? And I was in my mid forties. And so what, well, since we went down this path, I'll finish the balance of the story. I had no hope. And because I had no passion in my life. And what was interesting was I was addicted to online dating as one of my ways to self-medicate. And I had validation. no idea that, that was, yes, validate. I mean, oh my God, get tons of validation. You know, this is before, you know, swipe dating or apps. And I was addicted to first dates. I had no idea it was going to end up being my, my next vocation was I was going to become a dating or relationship coach because I came, became fascinated with the process, which gave me hope, which then gave me passion. And now I'm living an amazing life. But I literally at one point, Vicodin, windows closed, ocean view, didn't want to wake up. And now look at you. You're running two podcasts, a yeah. very successful business. <laughs> you yeah. you have... so My YouTube channel rocks. You're so strong emotionally. <laughs> you're just yeah. so healthy. You are very inspiring. That's why you are one of my friends. Oh, All right. Thank you. So we got to come, we got to get some. So next, we gotta bring stealing, this there's two more. Okay. Oh, these are, well, Rattle off the two more. I like this one because this is unique. Giving up. Paragraph oh, says, yeah. it's the couples. I gave up. I gave up. It's the couples that do the hard work and face the challenges that withstand the test of time. Giving up is not the same as giving in, which is a process that needs to be considered when you are at odds with one another. Relationships are all about compromise. Remember, too, that you can agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Hmm. Giving up is not the same as giving in. Interesting. Yeah, because one is giving up is... Okay, so... Giving in is compromising a boundary. Giving up is saying, I don't even want to deal with it whatsoever. That's the way I look at it. Okay. I would say, yeah, giving up. Giving up... It's like, it's almost like not following through with communication. Yeah, And that's just going to, yeah, of course. It's like ghosting. I mean, that's, that, <laughs> it, that is going to lend itself. It's kind of, it's like so obvious almost, even though it has to be stated. It's, it's like, an emotional ghosting. That's what will happen when, that's the, that's what happens before the breakup. You give up, yeah. you stop working on it. Okay. What's the last one? The number one piece of advice of all time that everyone gives not communicating in a relationship. Can you silence, be more specific? Yeah, absolutely. In a relationship, <laughs> silence is never golden. The more you talk, the better you will feel. Communication is the single most important thing in a relationship. If you do not have good communication, you cannot have a good relationship. So sit down over a cup of coffee and use your words. You'll get a lot more out of it than you think. Does it say that? Yes. <laughs> you said he was so negative or intense. Yeah. Well, 
we need to do a podcast on communication. I mean, let's be so. let's be real, Jonathan. Every episode's going to be yeah. about communication on on some level. Didn't we say that's called the C word? That's one of the C's. Yeah, you know, I forgot. I did another podcast today. We were talking about words that start with the letter E or something, and I don't know. It all flows together. Anyway, yes, communication <laughs> is is everything. Here's the thing, though. Many couples don't know how to. They, I don't believe many individuals have really learned good, effective communication skills, good listening That's skills. That's why they have good. to go into couples therapy, by the way. I mean, it's funny because well, couples, that's how I see couples therapy. It's it's a way to help the communication process. Okay, yes. And I'm saying we. Uh, it's important to do this before you ever need couples no, therapy. No, no, I understand that. But what I'm saying what I'm is, is couples therapy... When, when couples are having problems, they go to a couples therapist. And why do they go to a couples therapist? Because a couples therapist is the person to help them communicate to each other. It's like a mediator. I, I get it. And I'm saying, my friend, I would like to somehow encourage human beings who are in the beginning stage of their relationship, or for those right now, or certainly the season ones, is... Go to workshops, go to trainings. You know, before you have to get to a couples therapist, find other resources. Because oftentimes when you're at a couples therapist, the therapist is the mediator. I'm suggesting because there are workshops, there are trainings, there are places to go to actually begin better communication before you have to get to the mediator. I agree. Oh, no, I agree. You have to work on that and it has to be something that you do to prevent let's work on prevention i think that's the exactly. that's the key here. that's kind of what i'm saying so so those I mean, are those lot. are some reasons for for breakups we we scratched the surface there's a lot yeah. more to talk about but uh let me ask you a question before we come to an end why is it that women tend to be the ones who ask for divorce more is that a fact I believe it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 60, uh, two thirds. I, I mean, you could look it up while we're talking. In fact, nearly 70% of divorces are initiated by women. This is according to a 2015 research study conducted by the American Sociological Association, which suggests two thirds of all divorces are initiated by women. Among college educated women, this number jumps up to 90%. Wow. Holy cow. By the way, this has been one of my arguments that women complain that men are commitment phobic. Men nest in relationship once they're in it, usually. Well, there's, um, there's, oh man, it, can we just do a whole episode on this? Because yeah. it's not a simple explanation. Okay. I think there's a lot of reasons why that happens. We can talk about hypergamy. We can talk about men being lazy. We can talk about women not appreciating what they have. I mean, it's just everything. Okay, so then we're in agreement. We're going to do an episode of why women initiate divorces. Yes, and our opinions and thoughts and another research. Okay. Jonathan, thank you for sharing some of your deeper stories today. I think everyone here listening really got to to know you, and I think that's pretty cool. So thanks well, for sharing. thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, likewise, my friend, I am just always – I. I revel at the two of you and with and I say revel in the sense that I just adore the two of you and I can't wait to witness your guys' lives over the years and 
because I do feel like you two are good, well suited for each other. You're well aligned. You're well mated. And I like that. And you buy, you're both each other's cheerleaders and fans. Yes. And you will be in a relationship with someone who's going to be your cheerleader and fan. I hope. Amen to that. <laughs> amen. And amen to all of you listening. Thank you so much for listening. We would love a five-star review on Spotify, a five-star review on iTunes. It always helps. Share this with people who are interested in relationships. There's a share button on your Spotify, on iTunes, and everywhere else. You can share this with people and spread the word so we can all have stronger, awesome, healthy relationships and prosper in our lives because relationships are underrated. Right I think so. This is Trip <laughs> signing off. By the way, you were laughing while you're signing off. This is Jonathan signing off. You laugh when we start and I'll laugh when we end. <laughs> okay, sounds good, buddy. Take care. <laughs>